is that uh, the basic understanding of this complex thing called the DNA, the building blocks, it's the material that makes us who we are. It is in everything that we have, so it determines our eye color, our hair color, the density of your bones. It'll make you either Jay Leno or David Letterman. It'll allow you to like Starbucks or drink Maxwell House or get one of those great lattes that they had tonight at GPS before it started. And if you missed it, too bad. But as unique as your DNA is, I want to talk about it for a minute because um, we are a unique church and the uniqueness of our church is based on some things that some of you know and if you're new with us, you don't know. Four years ago this month, I was sitting in a hotel room with Jane. We had been talked to over the years, I can't tell you how many times people would say, start a church, start a church, start a church, start a church. And the answer was no, and then we got involved with peacemakers and we planted 14 churches in nine years. And came back and we were sitting in the balcony at Life Center and that was what we did week after week after week. I traveled a couple of hundred churches that I was overseeing and giving uh, critical care to and sometimes I'd be gone 27, 28 days a month. And I did that for the better part of three years. And that morning, it was a Sunday morning, Labor Day weekend four years ago. And I don't know where it came from because I hadn't asked. I was just praying. I had already made Grace Place business cards and they were sitting under my desk in my office at the house. They had been there for two years. The name was done. The cards were made. It had the home address of where we lived, but that was it. And she came out. We were getting ready to leave for the day. And she came out from fixing her hair and putting up her makeup, which was not unusual. I don't think anybody ever saw Jane without her hair right and her makeup on. I didn't even get that. (laughs) And she said, if I said yes, how long would it take for us to organize and have a church? And I said, you'd have to say yes first before I'll give you an answer. And she said, okay, I'm saying yes. If I recall right, that was like the 4th or the 5th of September. Her birthday is September 30th, and on the 29th of September, we signed the lease on the Little Blue Building on 56th and Proctor, prepaid the rent for the first year, and started fixing that building up. And five weeks later, from that point, we had the first service on November 11th. From that, yes, we lasted in that building 19 months and we moved here. And uh, I think everybody, no, not everybody, so I'll retract that statement. Um, If you did not have the opportunity to ever meet Jane, one of the things that you will know about her is all you need to do is look around this building. Her fingerprint is everywhere. Now let me talk about DNA for a minute. DNA. What we know today about imprinting and fingerprinting is that if I walk over and I put my finger on that table and it will absorb my fingerprint, 2,000 years from now, a DNA specialist can come back, peel that off, and tell me that I was here. It's an amazing thing. Your fingerprint being unique and the cells that make up this whole thing called DNA. An imprint. From this point forward, people don't know who Jane Thomas was, but her fingerprint is everywhere that this church is and will ever be. That's one side of DNA. Now let me talk to you about another side of DNA. What's amazing is that Jesus, being the God-man, the divine, Holy human, if it's not God, and holy God as if he weren't human, he shows up, splits time and eternity, walks out of it, comes into the the human race, and touches humanity. I want to tell you two times that he touched humanity. One time that he touched humanity, 
he's attracted by this man who comes screaming at him. Son of God, have mercy on me. And he reaches into the clay, picks it up and spits in it. Takes that salve and puts it into the eyes of a blind man called Bartimaeus. Now, I don't know how many times Bartimaeus' ancestors have touched the earth in 2,000 years. I don't know how many sons he had, how many daughters he had, how many marriages there have taken place, how many children and great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
If you want a different flavor of Bible study than what I give you on Sunday morning, be here Thursday nights. Because Thursday nights, life is different around here. I teach like I'm sitting in one of my seminary classes. We get all of our Bible versions out and we sit down and take the Word of God and dissect it and put it back together. You walk out of here, if, if I could grant it to you, I'd grant all of you a master's degree over the course of four years. Well, maybe an AA. <laughs> I'd give some of you at least some college credit, okay? The other thing we're going to be is relevant. We are going to make sure that what we do, we are going to talk about the needs of people every day. So this morning, somebody got all freaked out when the pastor said, for some of you, it's a great thing because remember, you didn't know who you were waking up with and what, whose bed you'd been in the night before. <laughs> and somebody went, <laughs> Breathe. We are not going to be people that not only aren't real, we're going to talk about real stuff. Because real stuff is where we live. Now, I can do an oh God thing pretty good, pretty good around here. You'll, you'll get used to me after being around a while. If you want somebody to be very pious and holy, I can do the pious and holy. Oh God. I'm much more. Oh, by the way, in case you didn't know it, I am somewhat dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> because we're relevant and we're where people live and walk and talk you can meet some people sitting at your table tonight whose lives have been dramatically changed because we're not afraid to be who we are to share where we've been and we do it with the third thing that marks us and that's passion I am a passionate lover of Jesus. Jarrell, I'm going to talk about you for a minute. <laughs> Jarrell came to a wedding that I had in my office several months ago. Now, you also have to know that your pastor is... I like music. Um, there probably isn't a subject or a that you can name that I wouldn't be able to come up with a song from the church in days gone by and all of you would kind of go, hmm, really? Huh? What? <laughs> My family has done that to me for all these years. They still can't get used to it. I also break into a song at, uh, at a moment's notice. Sometimes I break into a song in the middle of a, of a service. Kristen? Right. Now, now I have a deal with Kristen. <coughs> the deal is what? You can't do that to me unless I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> because, Mike, what else does the band say about the pastor? Uh, I, it's, uh, Danny's going to do a whole other set this morning. So. <laughs> we're, 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 we get two worship sets. We get the band and we get Pastor Danny. <laughs> <laughs> if Charlene's here, it's great. You go right on tour. If I'm there, I'm just going to smile at you and look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate. Jarrell walks in and I'm listening to a song. I don't even care that the bride and the groom were there and he's there as the best man and everybody else is, you know, they're all good. I just, and Jarrell, do you remember what you said to me that morning? Jarrell says, Pastor, are you always like this? <laughs> and Jarrell, what did I tell you? And then I went on to tell him why. Because you're never going to go in your spiritual walk or I'm not I'm going to lead you so I'm passionate about worship I will cry with you I'll go to the hospital with you how many of you have been in the hospital whether it's the middle of the night or the middle of the day and I show up because I'm passionate I'm passionate about loving Jesus and allowing you to see Jesus in me. Our passion. Our passion leads us, and I'm going to introduce to you, some people on our staff. 
that serve you and serve this community with us. The church receptionist is Cheryl. Cheryl, wave. Hi. Um, she is the gatekeeper. She came to me a year ago. She came to me a year ago and said, Pastor, I want to do this. So she is at church Tuesday. Everybody listen to this. She is at church Tuesday through Friday from 9 to 2 as a volunteer. She doesn't get paid. She comes out of the goodness of her heart to serve the church and serve the pastor. Keeping the building clean and organized and we help her and she has a whole checklist of stuff that she has to do. But Nancy Brewer over there. Sunday morning worship is led with a team and a praise team and a band. And uh, Kristen joined us uh, back just about Christmas time and then moved into Sunday mornings by the middle of the end of January. And she's a permanent fixture now. And uh, so Kristen Hovis right here. Youth Ministries is led by Aaron Roberts. He's the young guy that has no hair. <laughs> and then GPS. GPS is a, uh, a church within the church. Um, a year and a half ago, we planted GPS. Mike and Jocelyn, being my daughter and son-in-law, said, we need to do something, we want to do this. And so they went to Spanaway. And GPS, uh, being Grace Place South, uh, has been in existence a year and a half, but two weeks ago, GPS moved from Spanaway to the main campus, and they meet every Sunday night at 5 o'clock, and over the next several months, Mike will be uh, more working and moving more with the church as a whole, but Mike and Jocelyn run GPS. They take care of the academy. Jocelyn is the administrator of Grace Place Academy, and um, so to tell you some about the uniqueness of, of, of the DNA and what it looks like and feels, you need to hear another voice um, that uh, comes from another generation. I'm close to many of you in the room, and uh, what I know about church is that uh, 15 years either side of my age is where the bulk of people are going to be, but if the church is going to survive, we need to jump down a generation and bring uh, the next generation and the next generation, so that's where Aaron comes in, and, and sometimes the music, you're going, <gasps> just breathe, everybody, just breathe. We'll, we'll, we'll get around to the Gaithers, and I can remember when the Gaithers were like really on the edge, and everybody was like, oh, they're so ungodly. You know? <laughs> Val, do you remember that? Don and Jan May, do you remember when, when people went, the Gaithers, oh. And now all of you are going, oh. Do you hear what she said? No, what? What? Jan, what? She said we were just as ungodly. Yes, yeah, see? So we're, we're, we're a, a mixture of ages. The oldest person in the church is 95. We have a 93 and a 95, and they've been with me since we opened the first day, the first service. Been here for four years. Wow. So here we are. There are some of you in the room that have been here since we had that very first service. There have been some of you in the room that have been here since before we started that very first service. Richard and Nancy Clark. You were here when we were dreaming and scheming and saying, oh God, is this going to work and will anybody come? And The way we did this is, I don't advertise. I haven't asked anybody to ever come through the door from another church. I will unabashedly, and I'm not ashamed to go in to the food bank and say, try me for 30 days. If you don't like me at the end of 30 days, you get all your sins back. I do it week after week after week after week. Get all your sins back. <laughs> so there's some things that make us unique. Mike, you're on. All right, so uh, if you have ever sat under uh, one of the one of my messages, uh, first principles, um, anything uh, when it comes to the Bible, I'm very passionate about uh, God's truth. I'm very passionate about His Word. 
Uh, one of the things that uh, we, we see uh, a major conflict happening uh, within, within the church is that uh, we have what we call this uh, postmodern movement. And within this postmodern movement, it's a different mindset uh, uh, that is rising up with it, within the young people. But it, but it's kind of reemerging from years past, where where people start to take biblical truths and they will try to uh, distort them and change them and mold them into something that makes them comfortable. And it's very important that as as we continue to build uh, Grace Place and, and the different ministries and the different churches that, that spawn out of this church, is that we continue to hold strong to God's truth. Yeah. Yes, we want to be relevant. Yes, we want to be authentic. Yes, we want to be passionate. And yes, we want to be able to adapt to some of the things within our culture so that we can bring in uh, different faces and, and younger people and, uh, and, and more people. But in order to do that, that doesn't mean that we need to sacrifice the truth of God. And so we are going to go over what we call non-negotiables. These are the core values that drive, uh, drive Grace Place Ministries. And without these, we're, you know, if, if you were, were to come up to us and, and, and talk to uh, myself or our pastor and or Pastor Danny or, or uh, some of the other uh, leaders within the church, we're going we're gonna to talk to you. We're gonna we're gonna discuss uh, some of these things, but we're not we're gonna hold fast in a in a what I call close hand these non negotiables. We're, we're we're not gonna waver from these things. These are the things that are foundational to which we stand on this church today. And so we're gonna go over these. And uh, the first one here, or what are what are the non negotiables? Is we are Jesus centered. We are all about Jesus. Yeah, we are. Amen. Without without Jesus, we're nothing. If, if, it, if it wasn't for God giving us His Son and Jesus Christ and that is that is uh, taken the sins from the world and that has given us the opportunity to live free in, in, from sin and continue to operate as people that are loved by God, without Jesus, the church would not exist. Without the without Jesus, the church won't wouldn't continue to exist. Jesus is the focal point. He is the center in everything we do. Jesus is not something we can just do on Sunday morning, but Jesus should be involved in every aspect and every endeavor of our life. That's why we call it Jesus-centered. We didn't call it Jesus on Sundays. We call it Jesus-centered. The second one is healthy relationships. We are a church that values relationships. Pastor Danny said that uh, when he would go and meet with people in the food bank, one of the things that I always said uh, when, when we were, me and Jocelyn were doing other things and we were kind of on the outside looking in, I said, one of the things you will find with the outreach ministries and the community ministries in this church and, is that you feel like you're a part of the family. You feel like you're a part of the church before you even walk in here. And that, and that doesn't just stop with Pastor Danny. That ended up evolving with other people. And as other people started to do that, we saw this church really grow rapidly. And we want to see that continue to happen. And so healthy relationships are important. We need to be a church that is building relationships. And guess what? When we say healthy relationships, does that mean perfect relationships? Does that mean perfect people? No. But that is people that are striving to have their life centered in Jesus. And as we, are, as we go on the journey... It's time to pull some other people with us. Yep. Reach people. If, if all we do is gather on Sunday mornings and sing some great songs and listen to some great messages and then we go home and, and we, we, we turn on the football game and then we go to work on Monday and we mind our own business and, and then we have Friday and we just kind of uh, take, take the Friday night off and maybe watch a movie and Saturday goes by and we sleep in or, or we get up and work on the yard and then it's Sunday all over again. If that is your weekly cycle, there's not really people involved in that if, if that's all you're doing. But what's important is that when we do go to work on Monday and we do go to a movie, is that we are bringing people with us, that we, are commu- that we are building relationships and reaching people in our workplace, that we are reaching people that need Jesus, just like we need Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Grace isn't meant to be a, uh, an aspect of our life that we keep in a little box. 
Grace is something that should be overflowing in us, through us, and all around us. Real worship. Worship is something, is probably one of the, in the last, I would say, three, four hundred years, has been one of the, the best things in the church, and it's been one of the worst things. Uh, I, love, I love music as well. I, I love, I, I'm not a very good singer. I don't play any instruments. I've tried. It's been horrible. Um, amen. Amen. Um, I, I, I enjoy music. I don't do music. Um, God has gifted other people, thankfully, for that, or else, uh, well, maybe if everybody was as bad as me, then we'd think that was good worship. But uh, that's... Uh, that's not the case. But what we strive for is to, no matter how loud, how quiet, what, you know, what octave, what instrument, was it a song written a hundred years ago? Was it a song written yesterday? The question is, is the heart behind the person that is singing the song, that is playing the music, that is living their life the other six days a week? That's what worship is. And when we let other things, other distractions get in the way of that, when we get so wrapped up in all the other stuff involved in worship, it ends up blocking an aspect of where we can experience God. And I, you know what, I, I am not the biggest fan, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of old school hymns. I'm, I'm, I mean, I... I <laughs> Not the biggest fan, but you know what? The words, the theology, the worship, the heart behind a lot of that music, a lot of what, what has been written is amazing. Is amazing. Don't and so, worry, brother, I'll cover the old hymn. <laughs> so, Thanks, Val. That's good. So it's really, it's, it's, about, it's about what, you know, we, we sing the song, uh, the heart of worship. Well, it really is. It's the heart of the person that is worshiping. Are you, are you coming to, to, uh, to experience a, a concert uh, because you really like the music? Are you, experience, are you coming to experience a time with God? Because I, I believe if you come to experience a time with God, even in the loudest or the quietest or... The whatever it is kind of music, you're going to find God in it. You're going to find God. Uh, Bible-based. Um, very important that uh, uh, that we're you know that uh, we we are Bible-based. We if somebody asks you, okay, well, well, is Grace Place? What kind of church is, is Grace Place? You know, and and uh, one of the things I would definitely tell people is we are a church that uh, feels very strongly about God's word. And we, we believe uh, strong enough in it that uh, we're going to continue following the rules and the guidelines and uh, continue living our life according to the Bible. There are a lot of biblical truths that, that, uh, that like I said, that people will try to take out and will try to distort. But one of the things that we can reassure you here at, uh, at Grace Place is that uh, the, the leaders and the pastors of this church, we're not going to do that. We're going to do the best we can in prayer to be able to communicate God's Word in a way that is going to be uh, relevant to your life, but it's also it's, it's going to be as close as we can to what God originally attend, intended it to be for the church. And, and I'm going to tell you, there, not everything is crystal clear in the Bible. There's not, not, not everything we're going to know 100% the answer of what this means or, or, or what God is intending for, for His church. But what I can tell you is that we're going to do our best and we're going to try to lead you the best we can according to God's Word. A diverse people. One of you, this is one of the greatest things about this, this church. Is we have a very diverse congregation. We we have uh, we have people that uh, that come from all kinds of walks of life. Some of us have uh, 
you know, we, we've come through maybe the, the food, food ministry. Some of us have come uh, maybe from being a part of a church for 30 years. Maybe some of us have been a part of the church for two years. Some of us have come out of uh, drug addiction. Some of us have come out of uh, the, 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 the leave it to beaver home. Whatever the case may be, we, we are a very diverse congregation. But the great thing about the diversity in this congregation, because I've, I've been a part of other churches where they say that, yeah, we're a very diverse church. But the great thing about being a diverse church is we don't act like we're a diverse church. We don't act like we're a diverse church. We act like everybody is part of our family. That's right. So I know that, that it's a big deal for people to say, we want to be a church that's diverse. You know, you know, we don't make a big emphasis of we want to be a church that's diverse because it just naturally happens. And, and we say, praise God. And we, we link arms with everybody. And we say, we love everybody just like they're our family. And that's, that's what, what a diverse church is. Open to all, you're welcome here. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you're coming off the streets. It doesn't matter if you're coming out of a mansion. Um, you're all welcome here, and you're welcome the, the way you are. I, you know, I don't, we don't care if you're tattooed. We don't care if uh, you're in a suit. Um, we don't... Everybody's welcome here. We're not going to... If you walk in that door, we're, you know, we're not going to... We're not going to judge you. We're not going to. We're not going to pick you apart before you even take a seat in our sanctuary. It's not going to happen. Um, we want to be a church that is is welcoming and hospitable to those in the community. Because uh, just as Jesus has been hospitable to us, I, I guarantee if, if Jesus was, you know, looking us head to toe, uh, then then we, we we would be picked apart pretty bad. But even Jesus Himself was welcoming uh, the boy, you know, the lame, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. You name it, He's already invited it in. Yes. Yes. So, so why why do why would we want to why would we want to push people out that weren't the lame, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the prostitutes? Bring them in. Amen. Bring them in. Amen. Healing and recovering. Uh, we we are a church that uh, that strongly believes in healing. Uh, our interpretation of healing it, it, it may be different uh, than some but uh, we believe strongly that God is a God of healer yeah. and that uh, it could be a physical condition it could be an emotional uh, condition it can be um, something that you're struggling with maybe addictions whatever it may be God can heal that God, can, God is a God that restores. God is a God of redemption. God is a God that cares about each and every one of us in this room. I don't know exactly how He's going to heal you, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. And we, we talked about initially about uh, this church, uh, you know, was started with a conversation between Danny and Jane, and Jane would be the, one of the first to tell you that. The, the greatest healing that, that we will ever experience is the healing that came through the blood of Jesus Christ for eternity. Yes. That's healing. People of grace. You know, you know we're called Grace Place. And I, there, there are churches out there that are called Grace as, as well. There's a lot of churches that are called Grace. The name doesn't, doesn't make a church a Grace Place. But what, but what makes Grace Place Grace Place is, is the blood of Jesus Christ yeah. and people that believe that the blood of Jesus Christ does give us grace. That God does give us grace. Because the day that uh, we stop forget that we start living a life apart from grace, this church would, would completely change and it would, it, it would be really tough to, uh, for, for people to come in and experience what, what many of us have experienced from day one and coming in these doors. And we need to continue to have that be a foundational piece. Because none of us deserve God's grace. But all of us have been given God's grace. Great commission. Uh, we are called to be a people on mission. Um, what does that mean? What does that mean to be a people on mission? Well, we have traditionally in the last hundred years in, in the American church, uh, we have uh, 
been big advocates of world missions. We will uh, build up missionaries, send them through seminary. Um, we will raise up offerings and we will send them to uh, a foreign country, generally speaking. And we will, uh, they will come back Maybe once or twice, one, maybe once every every year, maybe once every couple years, and when they come back, they they report on what has been happening in the church. And as the church, we say praise God, that's great, and we support them, and that's a good thing. But what we need to remember is that as we are sending out missionaries overseas, we need to take care of the mission mission field here in our in our home. That don't let it be an excuse that since we supported the missionary and sent him overseas, that all I have, that I can sit down and, and watch TV and forget about what's happening in my own neighborhood. We are called to be people on mission. Don't and and we, we got to be careful not to make missions this thing that is so big, and that you have to be this this. Seminary student expert to be a missionary for God. Guess what? To be a missionary, it says, go and make disciples. Amen. Well, to make disciples, what does that mean? We need, that means that you need to tell people about Jesus. Amen. That's what it means. Go tell people about Jesus. Invite them into Christian community. Invite them to be a part of a congregation. Because as they become a part of this family, they'll learn more. And they'll want more. Then people want to be baptized. And then they're going to, you know, baptism is that initial proclamation to say, here, God has changed my life and I'm ready to tell everybody about it. Because <coughs> as, as we are, are on mission, then more people will become on mission and you will see God work in, in miraculous ways. We are a church... Uh, that strongly emphasize belonging and becoming. Well, what is this belonging and becoming? As many of you know that... uh, Well, there was this book that was written, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago called Unchristian by um, the George Barna Group. And they are a group that does a lot of research on trends in our country uh, when when it's in regard to the church and church attendance. Pierce County happens to be one of the least unchurched areas in the nation. One of the least unchurched demographics in our nation is my demographic, my age group. People, kids that have gone gone through Sunday school, kids that have gone through church or gone through youth ministry, and when they graduate high school, they graduate church. Then we have, and so if we can't even find a place for young people that have grown up in the church, a place to belong and become, well, then how are we going to reach those who've never stepped in the church in their entire life? And so it's important that here at Grace Place that we do give every generation, every person a place to belong and a place to become. Become something that the world tells them they can't be. The world tells us that we're essentially we have to be pretty, we have to be handsome, we have to be skinny, we have to be athletic, we have to go, we have to drink more, we have to smoke more, we have to have sex more. That's what the world tells us. But deep down, at the end of the day, what happens is these people are left lonely. They're left without direction. And they don't know where they're going to end up at the end of the day. And so it's important that we not only give people a place to belong, but help them understand that they can become much more than all the world is telling them they should be. Yeah, that's good. Multiplication of ministry. Uh, there is a variety, a diversity of ministries that are springing up within our church. 
And this is great because we want to be a church that is constantly changing. Because a church that, that isn't constantly changing is a church that becomes very stagnant. And a church that becomes stagnant becomes a church that is dead. The church I grew up cl- closed its doors about two years ago. Because it became a church that didn't change. It became a church that became stagnant and it's a church that is now dead. I, that is, I have also been a part of another church that, clo- that is on the verge of closing its doors. So I know, uh, sadly to say, I know what, it, what, it's, what it's about to be a part of dead and dying churches. We here want to be a church, a church that is changing and evolving and looking for new opportunities to reach different people groups in effective ways. We have some very unique ministries here. And we support very unique ministries. We, we are associated and we, have, uh, we rent out a building to many other churches. We have a, a, a Celebrate Recovery Ministry. That is a very unique ministry in its own. We have, we've, we have a food bank that has been... many. Most churches would go, we couldn't do a food bank like that because we don't have the resources. Well, guess what? God has blessed us with those resources and we need to be good stewards and continue to do ministries that actually make a difference in the community. Amen. Don't get me wrong. I love Bible study. I love small group ministry. I love you know, children's ministry. I love programmed activity in the church. But if all of our programmed activity just serves the people that sit in this building, then we're not going to multiply. We need to be a church that is continuing to have different varieties of ministry. And if you have, if you, if God puts on your heart a ministry idea, and I'm not just saying, you know, on the whim right here on the spot, but it, he's going, oh, you're going to try me. But if God is placing something on your heart and you go, you know what? Cheryl, take notes. <laughs> God, God, if you are calling me to do something as a part of the church, please let me or Pastor Danny know. We'd at least like to pray for you and try to figure. Be careful having ideas. I know, I, I know, but you know what? You know you'll be running things. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Ministry, at its best, is a team effort. There we go, team effort. So as you have your crazy ideas and we pray with you and we try to find ways to make that happen, um, it's not us that, that's making it happen, by the way. It's God. And, and we're going to do the best we can to stay out of the way of the Holy Spirit. And if He's leading, if, he, if tomorrow the, you know, one of you says, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to, to uh, you know... Start this kind of crazy ministry to whatever it may be. You know, we're, we're going to listen. We're going to test it. And we're going to pray that it's from the Lord. Because if it's not, we're going to have to snuff that out real quick. <laughs> uh, unity. Unity is, is, is vital in the church. You see uh, throughout Scripture, when Paul is writing the letters to the different churches, we see him... Uh, regarding a lot of situations where people are not unified, where the church is is not unified, and you see when the church is not unified, the church can't operate in its full potential. We want to be a church, a group of people, a family. Yes, we're going to have issues. Families have issues. Families have conflict. We're going to work those conflicts out because we want to be a church that's unified. Nothing wrong with conflict. It's just how, how we deal with it. You may not agree with me, I may not agree with you, but at the end of the day, you're my brother or sister in Christ and we're going to move forward. Alright. We've got eight minutes to go. We're going to do it. I, I can do that. Grace Place. Thanks, Mike. Great job. Grace Place. We've got five G's. Five things that we anchor ourselves to. The first one is grace. Uh, Everybody, grace. Grace, you can define it simply this way. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Grace. Oh, you might like that one, huh? We are going to grow. If we aren't growing, we're dying. If you walk into the church and the church doesn't smell right, that's a good thing. You know what? Here's why. Because I've never been to a nursery yet that smelled really good. 
If we are birthing new believers, then there are going to be some times when the church is going to smell. But always remember, that's because we're growing. We're committed to grow. We'll do all we can to cover up the odors, right, Nancy? <laughs> we are a people that are committed to understanding our gifts, and I want to take a minute and a half right here. Starting next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, in this room, right here, Phil and Sharon, wave everybody, Phil and Sharon, there they are. Phil and Sharon are going to lead Finding Your Spiritual Gifts. It's going to be three Sunday mornings. We will go from 9 to 9.30. There's going to be lots of activity, so you need to get in here. We'll figure it out. We don't have a lot of space for education um, because of so many things that we do, but we are committed. We're going to do this Sunday mornings from 9 to 9.30. We're going to help you find out how you fit and where you fit. You're like, well, what is a gift? Well, let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you about one gift that I will talk for very... Just, it's the gift that you give that you can only give it once in your entire life doesn't mean you don't have the gift. I just don't want you experimenting with it. Because every other gift, I want you to figure it out. Do you have it or don't you have it? The gift I'm talking about is the gift of martyrdom. You can only use that gift one time in your life. You, you don't get multiple times to give yourself away. You get once. But there are people who have been given the gift of being a martyr. You're going to give your life for Jesus. Okay? There are um, about 40 gifts that Scripture identifies. We're going to help you identify yours. And then we're going to figure out where you fit and how they work and where you can use them in the church. So if you've got one of those crazy ideas and you aren't gifted in the idea, we'll listen to the idea and we may give it to somebody else to do. God may be using you to be a dreamer and not a doer, but that doesn't make the gift any less Amen. viable. So... Um, and Phil keeps telling me that he has the gift of worship, but I, you know, he either sits behind me or beside me, and I'm going. I'm just, you know, telling you. So if you'd like to be involved in the gift class before you leave tonight, I want you to sign up with Phil and Sharon. They will take your names, and uh, we've got books, and we're going to do the tests. They're going to go through, and uh, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great three weeks. Okay. We're going to be people who give. Now, I don't take offerings. I'm committed to not taking offerings. Here's the deal. I will not take an offering for the general operation of this church as long as God supplies. The minute God doesn't supply, then I have to take offerings. So in the bulletin every week, there is a line, and it says this, in essence. I'm not quoting it verbatim. Grace place is supported by the faithful gifts of obedient people. As I told you this morning, if you were here, I don't have time to tell you to do what you already know you need to do. And I'm not going to be measuring what you do because you're going to give cheerfully and generously from your heart because we live to give. We're givers. And finally, we're people that go. Let me give you a quick update. Um, from the offering that was laid on the altar this morning for the West Africa Project, over $2,000 has already come in. We have a unique DNA. It's in everything we do. And to unlock it, I need all of you. I need you to, to say as a, somebody that's new in the church, I want to stick around. See, if you only come and walk out the door, we're going to be here long. But I think that we offer this community something unique because of the DNA that God has put within you. And when it all mixes together, we get a group like this. Now, Richard and Nancy, look around this room tonight and think about four years ago, well, 47 months ago. The first prayer night that we had, that second Sunday of October, there were 13 of us. We thought the first food bank that we ever did, we were just going to blow the doors off the place. We served 13 families. And last year we served 48,000 people. We thought that, God, if you'd ever bless us with 100 people, I remember when we hit 100 for the very first time, and I'm going, <laughs> it was the first Easter, and then the second Easter we hit 200, and the third Easter we hit 300, and this year we had 400. I'm like, oh my, oh my Bob! <laughs> 
Somehow I have a dream. You want to hear my dream? Yes. Here's my dream. There's 38,000 feet above this floor. I've already seen a sanctuary that seats 1,200 built in the round. The board of elders and deacons are dreaming with me and we're praying hard. I don't know how God's going to do it. I'm just going to be obedient because we are people on a journey called faith and we're going together. DNA. It's what makes us unique. It's the imprint of God in us and it's our imprint that we leave to the world. It changes generations. So here's what we're going to do. I said I was going to be done. I've got 30 seconds to go. You've got a table. There are people sitting at your table. You may know them. You may not know them. We have jammed this hour and four minutes filled with stuff. And we've done a lot of talking from here. I'd like you to spend a few minutes sharing your story about who you are and about what attracted you to Grace Place or why you came as a visitor. Some of you are going to say, well, I just wanted to come and see Danny. I I get it. Uh, Some of you are like, I want to know if he was actually going to live through the first year without Jane. I I got it. And some of you are hey, you know, I told you I was going to be real. Uh, Some of you are like, well, I came through the food bank, or I came because I'm I'm here, or I'm just kind of checking it out. I I heard there was free food tonight, and I wanted to come for a free meal. (laughs) It's all okay. But I want to thank you for investing an hour and five minutes of your very, very, very special time to hear about what makes us uniquely us in a community where there are already 786 other churches and what we're doing that's uniquely different that we're going to hold on to. These are non-negotiables. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for love and mercy and a big word called grace. Thank you that this isn't the law place. And this isn't George's place or Danny's place. This is Grace's place. Thank you now for your presence in this room, in the lives of people. Unlock the DNA in us for the kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ta-